The following episode mentions actions which some may find triggering, including drug use, assault, and eating disorders. If you choose to do drugs, please do so safely by having others around, an emergency plan, and always have an naloxone kit on hand. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, has been a victim of sexual assault, or is struggling with an eating disorder, you are not alone. Please see our show notes for a list of resources which you may find helpful. Welcome to Babes of Quinty. I'm Katie and that's Kay. We are your underqualified babes chatting with qualified people to learn more about the baddest and brightest people and events in the Quinty area. But first, let's catch up. Hi. You're back. I'm back. I've missed you for two weeks. Uh, I know. I honestly, like last week was the wildest because I was totally in the office and we were about to interview Sandy. And then my tummy was like, Mm-mm, so angry. We are not doing this today. And I was like, oh, no. You know what? We made it work. And it sounded great. I really, I really enjoyed your talk with Sandy. Thank you. I want her to adopt me. I know. And you get to eat all the ice cream. I didn't have as many tummy troubles after eating the ice cream as I thought I was going to have. That's good. Apparently, uh, Dairy Queen dropped off blizzards yesterday. They're going to drop off um, dairy-free dilly bars. Stop. Yeah. Apparently. I'm so excited about that because I can never participate in Miracle Treat Day. You can't get a blizzard. Because lactose intolerance. It's real. It's it's not fun. Do I risk eating cheese? Yeah, I do. Yes, every day. What's new in your life? Um our lives aren't like that exciting, I know. Honestly, like I've been cross-stitching. Well, not cross-stitching. I'm teaching myself embroidery. Yes. So I started doing this thing and it's going to be in my office when I'm done, but I'm embroidering a pie. Okay. Like a berry pie. I like that. So there's like this thing you do, it's called a French knot and it just turns into like a little like ball of thread. So I'm probably, I've probably done about 800 of these little French knots in different colors and they all kind of like look like berries. And then I'm going to like, you know, weave it like a, yeah, it's, that's my life right now. I like that life. Yeah. Uh, so that and just I've honestly I've had the big sads. Yeah. So and, I had the big sads last week. Yeah. So it's been a couple of weeks and I'm just like coasting and just like sticking to what's comfy for now. I feel like when you have the sads, that's what you have to do. Yeah. No. So I'm still being creative. I'm still like reading books and just sticking to my comfy yeah. comfort things because that's what helps me feel less sad. So uh, that's good. Yeah, I'm a little overwhelmed. I went through burnout last week, which I think. Yeah. Um, just because farming gets really chaotic. And then I can see I that. find like and it's hot. It's so hot and we don't have air conditioning. So when I get really hot and overwhelmed, I cry. So I cried on the floor. Well, I mean, a it's bit. like there's there's some burnout and then there's like heat exhaustion yeah. and then yeah. there's just like regular exhaustion. Yeah. And, like, and then Jeanette and I are doing Dancing with the Stars. It's out. Right. We're doing Dancing with the Stars. So we we have to we practice twice a week. But that means like Jeanette has to come in from Peterborough and I go to Trenton. Yeah. Um, so it's a little it's it, we're it's a in, lot. It's a lot. And then my brother's wedding's in two weeks. So we're just like. Th- that's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Plus the farm. And we're in a drought. Oh, there's the purr. Oh, sorry. No, it's it's heartburn now. Oh, no. <laughs> Tell me troubles. I can't. Yeah. So everything's busy, but I have been really like this is probably not a healthy coping mechanism, but I've been watching the Umbrella Academy, which brings me. Joy. I don't think that's a bad thing. It's a comfy thing that makes you feel better. Yeah. So I'm just, yeah, again, keeping with my comfort. But I have been, uh, my craft I've been doing is I've been making signs for the wedding for oh, my yes. future sister-in-law. Um, so 
that's what I've been doing. Nice. And watching shows and that's surviving awesome. the heat. <laughs> Sounds lovely. Yeah. But today we had we, probably the coolest conversation. We had a really cool conversation. So I was introduced to this person like completely randomly. I was out for dinner with one of my girlfriends and she was like, hey, she's like, you should follow this person on Instagram. He posts like food and social activism. I'm like, hey, I love both of those mm-hmm. things. So then I followed him and I was like, wow, like, I don't think I've ever met somebody who is so like vulnerable and outspoken at the same time. Yeah, And I think that's why I enjoy following him. Yeah. And he's so he was so easy to talk to and just shared his knowledge. And yeah, it was really lovely. Today, we are interviewing a Quinnie transplant from Burlington, Ontario. Now calling Picton home, our guest has an impressive resume. After graduating from theater production from Toronto Metropolitan University and working in the industry, he took the leap to follow his love of food and completed the culinary program at George Brown College. After cooking in bigger cities, he brought his culinary talents to Quinty and worked at multiple restaurants, including the County Canteen and the Drake Devonshire Inn. He is now the sous chef at La Condesa in Wellington. You can catch his amazing food creations on his social media. In addition to his impressive professional career, he is a social justice advocate using social media and other platforms to teach and change minds. He is actively involved in All Welcome Here, Prince Edward County, a nonprofit organization focusing on anti-racism in an intersectionality way. He is a partner and a dog dad to an incredibly cute pupper. We are honored he has taken the time to come speak with us. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, please welcome Robin Squiggy (laughs) Dutt. You just like start things by just like chill convo. This is what Paul Ferguson yeah. has taught us. This is definitely what Paul Ferguson has taught oh, us. Yeah. He kind of just like disarm and kind of just like yeah, we're disarming you so that we can like tear you down. No, I'm oh, <laughs> don't worry. I, I got an arsenal of uh, to taking you down. I've been doing my research and oh, listening yeah. to your podcast. And yeah, <laughs> no, I know. He's That's like, I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm so scared. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm manic today, so we'll see where this goes. <laughs> Um, but I I'm just like vulnerable and sad. Yeah, like we're on two very different levels. It's very possible. She's, She's like totally here and fine. I'm like, I'm just that. gonna cry the whole time. So it's okay. I did make our lot my last guest cry by accident. So. <laughs> Nothing wrong with crying. It'll no. it'll be a good episode if I end up crying. Who knows? Oh, if I mean, you cry, I'll panic. <laughs> I don't do well with cry like people crying. I'm like, eh, eh. and then I try to make you laugh. Oh no, that's that's how I seduce my wife. You know, oh, right? by crying. <laughs> <laughs> like you uh, cried and then she was like right on she's like oh vulnerable Sick. oh in touch with his emotions you know what you know what I yeah I get um, it my single friends when my single it. friends now it's like watching a show because they're on the dating apps like they're mm-hmm. telling me all the things and they're like wow this guy's really in tune with his emotions he goes to therapy I'm like uh, wow, oh my wow, god there it is. that's like, a that's, green flag that's that is all a, they an want. amazing green flag literally all I want in a man is do you go to therapy and yeah. if they say yes I'm like marry me yeah. yeah like this is it I'm locking you down that's all you need though because really if you're self-aware enough to know that you need to go to therapy then anything else is fine yeah definitely yeah. I totally agree with that therapy is amazing personally I don't do it as of yet but that's because I'm cheap uh, Fair enough. But yeah. I do a lot of journaling and I've been doing that for years. So that totally gains yeah. some self-awareness. I'm really bad at journaling. Um, 
Define what do you mean bad by it? Like, I just never, I don't feel like I can be consistent at it. And that's the thing. Like, it's consistency that matters. It's not actually the product that matters. It's not how much you write or what you write about or how in depth you go. It's just the fact that you're doing it consistently because there's been times where I've journaled and all I say is I have nothing to write about. And then five lines later, I have an epiphany of being like, Oh, that's trauma for my mom. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, no, no. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, okay. Or maybe who knows? Uh, but yeah, journaling is amazing. Um, and it's, it's when people say they're bad at journaling, it's one of those balances. Like when people say they're bad at cooking and the thing is, Cooking at home is time and attention because if you burn something, that just means you haven't been giving it attention because anybody can practically cook anything with enough time and attention. That's yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I don't have. Yeah, and, and that, time and that, or attention, but like I mean, I I can cook. Yeah, and I can definitely understand that, especially if you have little monsters running around or what have you. If you don't have the time to cook, then say you don't have the time to cook, but say that I'm bad at cooking. Um, because they're, they're skills of a certain competency level that, yeah, your knife cuts might not be perfect, but that doesn't make the food taste any less. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Katie. Hey, Kay, what's up? So have you heard of this new like newsletter thing? No, I haven't. What is it? It's called Good News and Quinny. No way. So what it is, is it has all the good news stories from the previous week in a weekly newsletter that you get in your inbox on Saturday morning. No way. I love good news. Everybody loves good news. And it's way better because there's a lot of not good news out there that I see every day. So I need a little good news in my life. Yeah. So you can drink your coffee and get read some good news. And all you have to do is go to Good News and Quinty.ca and sign her up. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it too. Lovely. Awesome. Huh. Is Squiggy your real name? No, no. Squiggy is a, a university nickname that I kept on my social media. And then coming out of university, which was theater school, I saw a lot of my friends in the theater department needing a stage. So I created an arts festival that was called Squig Fest. Amazing. Because uh, I, was, I was living with a, a couple potheads, and my friend was like, "Dude, you should call it Squig Fest because it's your <laughs> festival." And I'm like, "That that'll be the temporary name." But then I went through enough paperwork and promotions, and I just stayed. It's one of those temporary names. Yeah. When it's like, okay, well, I guess that's the name now. Um, and then when I switched from the arts to culinary, Squig Fest turned into Squig Feast for pop-ups and such. Oh, that's so oh, cute. I like that. And then um, most interesting, uh, since come since moving permanently to the county in 2019, um, and especially during the pandemic, I spent a lot of time online, and that's where a lot of people in the community in the area got to know me as as squiggy so then now like i get stopped in the grocery store and it's like are you squiggy (laughs) so i've just started leaning into it more and more and it's just enjoyable um so now even at la condesa when you come in and you ask the servers oh uh, is robin in the kitchen they won't know who you're talking about you'll have to actually ask for squiggy (laughs) that's so cool (laughs) the more entertaining thought i've had about this as this reputation gets known and that's become my brand and who i am that like 
if I was like heavy into the dating scene or what have you, and like someone was a fan of me and then we started dating or whatever, and to hear uh, Squiggy yelled in the throes of passion would be freaking <laughs> hilarious. That's probably not how they'd yell it, but like that's the only way I can think of yelling Squiggy. <laughs> Real romantic. <laughs> Oh my god. Was that not good? <laughs> well, at least now I know what it now was. Now you know exactly <laughs> what it would be like in the, the throes of, of Katie's passion. passion. <laughs> That's what I do. Now you know. You know my secret. Oh my god. I'm dead. Okay. Did you go right into theater production after high school? Did you take a break or anything? Yeah, no. Uh, I did uh, four years at Ronald Metropolitan. I now. <laughs> so I did uh, theater in high school and then... Uh, just carried that into university. So then for four years and then six years in uh, production, mostly in the world of modern dance. Uh, Are you a dancer? No, no. Production oh. stuff. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I'm a dancer. Uh, I was a little raver kid back in the day. Oh, cool, so cool, cool. I, I still Lots have that glow in me. Sticks? Yeah. I used to rave so hard with the glow sticks across my knuckles. By the next morning, I'd have bruises across my knuckles. <laughs> Raving right. is such a foreign world to me, but I feel like it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 well, anything you do, even just going to the club and dancing is yeah. fun. And like one of my cooks was so excited that Chula Joe's had a live DJ <laughs> and it was just exciting. And, and it's just fun because it's interesting because uh, when I got into raving, that's because I was working for a lighting and sound production company that did the lighting and sound for uh, one of the major venues in Toronto. And what I would I would get on guest list there. And for me, it'd be entertaining because I would be able to. Um, can I talk about drug stories in your yeah. podcast? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, for is sure. this PG? OK. And where we are in swearing. Do I have to watch my swearing? I just bleep it out. OK. Um, but I'd put my drugs in the road case that I would pack at the warehouse, go through guest list, go backstage, open the road case and then I mean, that's, rave. Yeah. And that's how you do things. That's no. a cool life. <laughs> I've been to one ever. Where was it? Um, it was at the government in mm. Toronto. That's the venue. Yeah, I was 19. We went to go see Infected Mushroom mm-hmm. or oh, something. That's, that's I Yeah, funny. it was a night. I've never been to a rave, but I do love a mosh pit. Yo, those are great. Yeah, so. like same idea, just a little bit less violent. Yeah, I've or taken not. some elbows oh. to the face. Does that it really depends? Yeah. Yeah. But also at mosh pits, it was always fun because for me, I'm not the biggest guy, but there'd be big guys that I could just run and bounce off of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember like also raving. I did a lot of punk rock shows. Mm -hmm. So it was lots of and this is like because I'm from northern Ontario. It's like Timmins punk rock. (laughs) So like we don't get a lot of bands. So when bands do show up, Mm -hmm. it's always a time. And you'd have all the like a bunch of like stinky punk rock teenagers. And I was the only girl in the pit always. I just read about the teenage head thing that one. Yeah, today. I know. It just I popped up on my Twitter feed and I was kind of like, oh, OK, your son just decided to murder you. <laughs> oh, I don't know what this is. <laughs> so teenage head, Canadian punk band. Yeah. Uh, the guitarist, other I, a, yeah. a member of the band, uh, his son killed him. His 41 year old son who's living with the 65 year old Canadian punk legend killed, killed him. him. Yeah. In Hamilton. Wow. 
And I was kind of like, oh, okay. That's wild. Like, I literally read this like five minutes before you walked in. And I was kind of like, <laughs> okay, I need to read more about that later. And now I'm, I'm going to go read more about it. But yeah, no, I was like, oh, that's really sad. So you went from production, theater production, dance production, and yeah. raving. Yes. Maybe the raving haven't stopped. I don't want to put you in a box of uh, raves. I, I tended to go in a more club. And also one of the clients I worked for the most was an all-girl breakdance group based out of Montreal that I got to tour with around the world, which was just ridiculous. That's that insane. sounds so much fun. What made you dream? What made you leave that? Like, we love food, too. So, yes. But what uh, stemmed so that So I uh, took the one-year program at George Brown, and in essence, it was just going to be to get some culinary skills to throw impressive dinner parties. But uh, I just loved it, and it was far more consistent than the arts world. Uh, um, I can see that. Yeah. And... The fact that I was a jack of all trades and not had chosen a single route, like there are seven lighting designers in Canadian theater. And did I think I could be one of those seven lighting designers or what Mm -hmm. have you? So I uh, did one year at George Brown and then I thought my touring days were over, but I was lucky enough to use my skill set from there to take my culinary skills essentially around the world. So that breakdance group actually hooked me up with a restaurant in Montreal. So I went Toronto, Montreal, back to Toronto, and then up to the Arctic Circle, to the Antarctic, to Fogo Island Inn, to New Zealand. And I went from Wellington, New Zealand, to Wellington, Ontario. My, That's I have to jump. pick my jaw. I'm like... <laughs> You okay, live so the coolest culinary journey. <laughs> yeah. It, tell me about Antarctica, because that sounds absolutely insane. It, it is. It was. It was on a cruise ship in the Antarctic where I got to hang out with penguins on my. I'm so jealous. One hour break a day. It was <laughs> like working cruise ships is not fun, but the payoff is can be really rewarding. And the fact that you get to travel, yeah. and you get to see penguins which is, i mean how yeah yeah um that's so cool and uh but it's a it was a horribly long lifestyle uh i lived on a diet of soda water and beer and lost weight because it was just horrible hours so yeah you wake up at around 6 a.m to start prepping for breakfast that rolls into prepping for lunch between lunch and dinner you get about a two-hour break where majority of People go back and take a nap, but uh, that's when I'd go on excursions and go see penguins, go see seals. Uh, There is a black sand beach that's near a technically active volcano, which means that the water isn't too, too frigid. So I can actually say that I went swimming in the Antarctic. That's so cool. And then you get back and then you work dinner and then you close and then you get out of the kitchen around 10 and then I would drink from 10 to 1, <laughs> wake up at 6. And do just it re- again. Do it again. And it's one of those weird things that you just live that. And then, like, when I got off the boat a month later, I'm like, oh, and actually, I'm a, I'm a not shorter on my belt <laughs> from his diet of depression and beer, you know? Yeah, that'll do it. How long did you live the cruise ship cooking life? Only one month. Oh, okay. Uh, that I was fine enough. I don't know if like it's sustainable to do it for more than that. Like you probably burn out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was technically on it for two month contract, but uh, 
my father went for a checkup and had to go for heart surgery. And part of me was like, and it hadn't been planned yet, but the way the docking was happening, I'm like, okay, I've seen my penguins. Do I need to see the penguins again? And do I want to be on a cruise ship when my dad goes into surgery? I'm like, no, that's not worth it. So yeah. yeah. The silver lining of my dad's heart surgery is that, like, it's a great out yeah. on the contract. So I did that for a month and then uh, came back and my I did a, a massive food road trip by myself, just eating around the American Rust Belt, just going from Toronto, Montreal, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit, just that's like my dream road my trip. Mouth is watering, like you haven't even yeah. said food, but I just know you ate from street food to Michelin yeah. star food. It was amazing. Love it. So it was one of those things. While I was on the ship, I uh, was reading Grant Ackett's book Life on the Line, who is a Chicago chef that got diagnosed with tongue cancer and how he overcame that. And while I was on the boat and depressed, I'm like, if this guy can overcome tongue cancer, I can withstand this rest of this contract. But since I was coming back early, I'm like, Hey dad, you want to go to his restaurant in Chicago? And he's like, Sue is in Chicago. And I'm like, who's Sue? <laughs> and he's like, Sue the T-Rex. And I'm like, okay. So my dad had seen like on CNN, a feature of this T-Rex fossil Beautiful. in Chicago. And I'm like, all right, dad, for me, we'll go for dinner. And for you, we'll go see Sue, Sue the, the T-Rex. Amazing. I was able to get a reservation and it was about three weeks after I came back and I'm like, oh, what the f- what am I going to do for three weeks? I'm like, yeah, I'll just take the long way around. And my dad flew and met me in Chicago. <laughs> That's so cool. And before he was going for heart surgery, he had an 18 course meal. That's I mean, amazing. That's, That's the way to do it. Like if you're going in for heart courses. surgery, like yeah, that sounds absolutely lovely. Yeah. And it's funny because my dad's old and not used. No one's really used to 18 course meals. No. You shouldn't be no. used to that. I mean, that's wild. Um, that's but, an experience. Yeah. But I told my dad exactly. Treat it like an experience. Treat yeah. it like an art gallery. Eat what you want, but you don't have to eat everything on your plate. You just yeah. need to enjoy it, appreciate it. So he pretty much did a 10 course tasting while I did a 26 course <laughs> tasting because I finished his meal. So you really took the best person because you got a little extra. Yeah. And how was the T-Rex? Sue was great. Okay. She was, yeah, very nice lady. <laughs> and so then you went, did you go to New Zealand after that? Uh, yes, because while I was on the cruise ship, well, so I was on the, sorry, no, next I went to Fogo Island Inn, which is on the edge of Newfoundland. Oh, it's yeah. a super high end hotel with a very arts focused initiative. So they have a lot of artist retreats and it's a beautiful, gorgeous uh, hotel that the sous chef of the hotel, who is now the chef, he was on the cruise ship during his time off in the Antarctic. So after meeting him in the Antarctic, I went and joined him in rural Fogo Island, Newfoundland. And I tend to find myself in these rural island areas. <laughs> <laughs> and this season out there, then uh, initially I had been contacted to go to the Caribbean for a contract, but that chef fell through and I was really into MasterChef Australia at the time. Nice. MasterChef Australia and MasterChef New Zealand are different than the MasterChef here in the fact that those are 64 episode long seasons. I love long so, seasons of cooking shows. Yeah, you really get invested in it. And so shows like My Kitchen Rules and MasterChef out of Australia and New Zealand are really, really long. 
So initially I wanted to go to Australia, but for a working holiday visa, I was too old. But for a working holiday visa to New Zealand, I wasn't. So I went to New Zealand and did a year out there. New Zealand is magical. Yes. I traveled there with my partner and it was, we almost broke up on a hike, but you know what? Made it through (laughs) and thriving. This makes you stronger. This makes you stronger when you almost (laughs) break up on a hike. Um, So you were in Wellington in New Zealand. Uh, initially I landed in Queenstown on the South Island, uh, where bungee jumping was invented, a very backpacker place for mm-hmm. backpacker life. And I realized quickly that I'm a mid thirties person in a <laughs> mid twenties town. And, uh, yeah, as one of those balances, I'm like, I'm single and I'm like, uh, do I really want to be the guy having sex in a hostel with eight other people in the room? I'm like, no, no, <laughs> not right no, now. No, 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 that person. Uh, <laughs> So then I purchased a minivan that someone had converted the back into a bed and freedom camped for six weeks, just driving around the South Island and then came home for a little bit to visit my dad. And during that time, during those three weeks at home, I did squig feasts again, but this was more private catering for people's homes. So from a private dinner of four to a party of 14, I did about four or five. And the funniest thing, so my one of my high school teachers followed me and we've stayed in touch thanks to social media. So she, uh, I came back and I did a dinner at her place uh, just because her husband was back from a trip. So it was four people. And I had fun and uh, I drank too much. So she's like, oh, you can crash in my son's room. He's away at university. And then just let yourself in the morning, let yourself out in the morning. And it was just kind of surreal because when I left in the morning, the money for the gig was on the table. So it was really like (laughs) the next morning taking my money and and walking out the door (laughs) slightly hungover. It's like, oh, this is what this feels like. (laughs) I'm okay with it. I'm I'm fine with it. You know, whatever you got to do. And I I appreciate it. But yeah, I know that's that's a feeling. Yeah. And then back to New Zealand, you went. Yes. And then that's when I went to Wellington. Um, and then uh, thought I would try to settle down a little bit. And because during my time in Toronto, I had worked at the Drake Hotel. So then I used those connections to get a job at the Drake Devonshire. And that's when I matched with my wife on Tinder, who is Kingston based. We love, love a Tinder. Tinder. Yes. That's how I oh. met my partner. So we're always snaps it's great. for a Tinder. It's, it's, a, it's a tool. <laughs> it is what you make of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you know what your intentions are, it's it's easy to filter out all, all, all the, the tools. All the, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Quite literally the tools. <laughs> and, and and that's that's exactly it. It's one it's funny when I talk to people I'm like, oh, you know, I just I just want to meet someone in an old fashioned way. I'm like in class. Getting hit on at a bar, a coworker that you spend too much time yeah, with. Like, like I don't want any of that. <laughs> well, awesome. I always say I'm like, if someone's like, oh, I met my partner like at a bar. I'm like, oh, you met in the wild. Because <laughs> it's so hard, especially because I'm a lesbian and my partner and I say we're always like, it's so hard to meet a lesbian in the wild because a lot of now people are dressing more androgynous or mm-hmm. however. And and so I'm like, are you a lesbian or are you just dressing like that? I don't know. Should I? I don't want to make you uncomfortable. So... Tinder's just like a safe bet. I know they have marked it off. Yeah. 
My wife is queer, and sometimes she's like, that's cultural appropriation sometimes. You know, you can't look that butch and not be a lesbian, but some people do that. Yeah, they do do that. I'm like, you're you're straight? Okay. Like, I am confused. Yesterday, Katie was on our Babes of Quinny thing, and I had followed my sister, and she's like, oh my god, who's this lesbian on our feed? And then I saw the name, I was like, is this your sister? Like, she's playing softball. (laughs) I was like, I knew she was a lesbian. (laughs) Which is bad, but I do make the I make those stereotypes, which I'm like, you're a play softball, you're probably a lesbian a little bit, just a little bit. And you like the county now. Let's <laughs> <laughs> circle back. Yeah. Circle back. You met your partner and Yeah, uh, yes. So uh we were Kingston based for a little bit, but we still travel a lot. Uh the biggest highlight is that we went and spent three months in Jamaica. <gasps> Which was fun. And that just really showed us that we had nothing keeping us in Kingston. And we had the ability to put a down payment down somewhere. And we had been coming out the county two, three times a month. The food seems amazing. There was a place that was opening up that I was hoping would be something. Um, So we bought a house in the county. And it was just ridiculous timing because we closed October 2019. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> like, said, and I was like, oh, sh-. <laughs> to go from a 13th floor, one bedroom apartment in an old person's home and King- old person apartment building in Kingston to a two floor house with a backyard for the dogs and the ability to get space from each other during a lockdown pandemic was very, very uh, good fortune for us. That's, yeah, I yeah. can see that. Yeah. And yeah. You, I think it's like a testament to relationships if you made it through the pandemic somewhat in one piece. Yeah, totally. And and it's a testament. And also the, the horror on the other side of it is that those that are in toxic or bad mm-hmm. relationships, you know that it did not get any better for them. Like I heard that like divorce is one up, which is good because no good marriage ends in divorce. So Uh, But just thinking of abusive households and being locked down during a frustrating time is just horrific. Yeah. Yeah. I was always like, because I had a daughter in school at the time. So like my mind was like, okay, well, what about these kids who use the breakfast program? That's like, what about these kids who are in abusive households or, you know, are just left alone all day? Like now what? And that's what freaked me out the most. I mean, because I just don't date. So (laughs) (laughs) anyway. Anyways, moving Anyways, on. Moving on. Yeah, that. Yeah, I thought about that a lot, but I never knew what to do. And I guess this comes into your, your like social advocate I, work because yeah. for me, I I never know what to do, so I kind of feel like paralyzed by it. But you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's the balance that you do what you can. So uh, I tend to come up with simple mantras or sayings that I find myself saying over and over again. So one of the things, especially over the last, I guess now, six, seven years, is that uh, in terms of, say, dealing with sexism, I can't I can't punch Trump and I can't punch Trump in the nuts, but I can control what happens in my kitchen. And Mm -hmm. kitchens are very toxic atmosphere, very male toxic. And from the dishwasher up to the chef, you do have the ability to affect what happens, even on a little margin. So, yes, it is up to management, chef and top down administration to ensure safety. But even simple things like not laughing at a sexist joke, Mm -hmm. just like leaving it in the air, like. Make it awkward for them. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. It's just like I had a situation like very similar to that. And he had made a joke about me doing something quicker. 
and I looked at him and I was like, that's not funny. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like the look on his face. And he was like, just like stunned. And, and, and I was like, I don't know. Did you expect me to laugh? Yeah. Like, cause he was like laughing and I was just kind of like, no, like we're not doing that here. Yeah. And that's the thing. You don't need to chew them out. You don't need to educate them. You don't need to sit them down. You don't even need to explain yourself. You can just leave the awkwardness with them. And it, it's, there's nothing more powerful than that. Yeah. It feels yeah. really good. Yeah. And, and there's simple transition. Like I know there at a time in my life that I would have made, Oh, time of the month jokes. Mm-hmm. I don't do that anymore. And now when he does that, when I do does that, I'm like, and the thing is at the end of the day, I just expect better of people. Mm -hmm. Like the thing is, I do make jokes that can't are based on race, but aren't racist, but have some quality to Mm -hmm. them or some simplicity or some charm to them. And it's like, Oh, where's the brown sugar right here. And, That made my morning. <laughs> uh, or that's what they called me in high school. Like you can make a race based joke, but clearly it's laughable. It's like, don't be a dick. But it's not malicious. Yeah. It's all about intention, really. Yeah. yeah. And and awareness. And like that was the thing that really started. So during lockdown, I started just posting a lot online in terms of venting. And I had a real shtick or a hook in the fact that I cook a lot. I cook a lot at home. Uh And just practice a lot of things. And social media was just a place for me to post pictures of them. And I just got tired of posting pictures. So I'd post a dish and then rant about something, post a dish, ask a question about something. So it really turned into this almost concept of having dinner with me and engaging in conversations. And that as I was learning stuff in real time, because during lockdown, you actually had time to read or think about things or journal which is, again, a silver lining to a horrible time. But the fact that I was actually showing online my learning in real time made me very approachable to people. And I joke that like I didn't even realize I was brown until George Floyd because I really took a strong racial stance and educated myself and learned about my own internalized racism. Like uh, I read a book called White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo, which I thought was really amazing book. And I'm like, hey, if anyone wants to talk to me about this book, let's chat. And an old friend of mine from high school who runs a, who's part of a women's book club podcast invited me on. And I'm like, well, I said I'd talk to anybody. So I guess you call me out. So <laughs> let's do this. I was on, if I'm allowed to talk about other podcasts, yeah, was, of course. <laughs> we love other podcasts. Uh, it's called book interrupted. And it was really curious because it was me as a brown man walking into a virtual room of six white women to talk about racism. Mm-hmm. And there's, did you find that intimidating? No. Um, because also I just have nothing to lose at that That's point, fair. much like walking into this room. It's like, I don't know. I, I wonder why am I here? But it doesn't matter why I'm here. I'm just here. Enjoy it and work yeah. with it. They were actually more intimidated than me. And it's just I think that's maybe where I meant my question to go yeah. was like, because I'm intimidated by you. Because <laughs> I feel like I should be intimidated, but I'm not. Should and I be? No, okay. no. And and that's the balance. And that's the thing about activism is that like when you come across some very knowledgeable activists, they they tend to focus more on calling out versus calling in. And that's the balance in terms of 
any anything from abortion to sexism to racism to sex worker rights, uh, people don't like being lectured at. They do enjoy dialogue. They do enjoy conversation. Um, so with the start of that virtual room of women, that's what I said. I'm like, I'm not here to judge you. We're here to talk about things, open up. I'm not going to chew you out. I'm exploring this as much as you and just setting that like safe space foundation Mm -hmm. uh, worked well. And that was a good three, four episodes long because they do it uh, before you read the book, mid reading the book and after. That's really cool. I'm going to listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that's right up my alley. Uh, And one of the fun things about that podcast is that they they specifically say that you don't have to be reading the book and you don't have to read the book. Oh. And some of the people don't actually read the book. Oh, wow. Uh, just because life happens. Yeah, and well, that's true. They're also spread out across the world. Like one lady, like they're all high school, friends, family, students together, the classmates. But then life happens and people yeah. travel. So one of them is actually based in Africa. So oh, trying wow. to get the recording the time times. Zones, yeah. yeah. I but, think, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, that's what I, sometimes I think I get intimidated by as someone who doesn't know a lot about these things, I get intimidated trying to start learning. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I look at people who, who know so much and are so educated on it and I get overwhelmed. But one thing, because Kay introduced me to your Instagram. So I started like looking and stalking your Instagram and it just makes me feel more welcome. One, cause I got to look at like pictures of delicious food, but then it's not, you're not, angry it's like you're telling me what you have learned Mm -hmm. and then i can in turn learn from that which which makes me feel like it's a very welcoming space yeah so i did a post a couple weeks ago because also because of my journaling my free writing some of my posts just end up getting to a point the thing i ended up with was just fuck up his life just f up his life what does that mean it's just that rapists or men that are misogynistic or over the top like they deserve to have not deserve. Con- no, they do. do. Yeah. They deserve to have consequences. Yes. And and I think that happens like not only to myself, but to other women. And, it and happens men. to every woman. You're, like so you're yeah. telling a story as if it's funny and or like I've had people tell me stories like it's funny. And I'm like, that um, might be trauma. Yeah. Well, the title of the post is, is that a funny story or sexual assault? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many stories of that, which is sounds really kind of fucked up and sad, but it's like. As a woman who lived in Toronto very, very young, I realized I put I was in all these situations that I just was not ready for. And I didn't have the words to really properly express what happened. And then I moved home and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but therapy helps with that. Therapy yeah. does. And I think to our generation, I didn't know what consent was. And mm-hmm. like with my trauma, oh my gosh, I just yeah. wanted never love. talked about it. So I was like with sex, I'll find like that. People will like me if I do that. Yeah. And. So, but now I feel like there is this education happening through social media. I don't know if it happens in schools. They do talk about it in like schools now. Yeah, they just updated the what assault is yeah. and all these things. And girls are having to learn it sooner and faster, and boys are five to ten years behind. Yeah. Well, and I mean, just look at Hockey Canada. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, all that crap that happened. But it's just like, did you guys really think this wasn't happening? Honestly, like, give me a break. Well, one thing I do with my so I have four nieces or girls and 
the one loves touching butt. So she like always touched my butt and I'll be like, you can touch my butt, but you have to ask me first. You have mm-hmm. to ask me for consent. So that's how I'm teaching her what consent that's is. I'm like, fun. you have to ask me and I have to say, yes, you can touch my butt. So the thing that I've been rolling around in my head, because uh, also those that, because I tend to just get on a series of posts and that, especially on Facebook, it's a lot more interactive than on Instagram. But I was getting a lot of comments, likes, emojis from women constantly from women on and i'm like why aren't the men saying anything and uh, just, just yeah <laughs> just, just f up his life like i'm not saying that i'm gonna get pitchforks in a mob and brass knuckles and all that but it's just the mentality that <laughs> it's the mentality that women's lives have been uh fucked up since they've had breasts even before they've had breasts men have messed up their lives and if more men just thought about the consequences and it's the the line of the inaction of good men. And it was interesting because I used an anonymous question app or attachment to Instagram saying, men, why aren't you speaking out more? And one of the responses was that he feels disingenuous to call himself a feminist. That's and the other thing I want to talk about was like, like male feminists. Like, why do you think men are so scared to identify themselves as feminists? Um, male toxicity is yeah. the biggest thing. Cause when you, when you talk to them, okay, the, the simplicity of feminism and I'm not an expert on feminism. I can't tell you about the waves about it. I can only tell you an overall opinion of it that I think all women would agree with uh, equal pay, not being raped, not being murdered, treated with respect. Like, yeah, those are, those are <laughs> yeah. very basic yeah. things. I want to be able to vote. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be able to go all the places that you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, most men are OK with that. And they tend to think that like being a feminist equates to having to be nice to their ex. But no, if she was cruel to you, then you don't have to be nice to specific people. And it's just weird. My, I've been trying to think in my head, universal morals, beliefs, and then individual actions. Like for me, I like to think that the actions, the way I treat people reflect in the feminism to overall arching things that of not raping women. But at the end of the day, and this also equates to abortion, that even if abortion is not for you or your family or your own personal beliefs, that woman next to you or in another province or what have you should have access to abortion. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because it's not. Oh, I have so many feelings. About that. <laughs> yeah, but, I actually like the whole Roe versus Wade, like really yes. like messed me up. Mm-hmm. Understandably. I couldn't even like, I think that's what sparked my depression slump right now. So I'm in the big sads, mm-hmm. which is fine. But it was like that hit. And I was just kind of like, okay, like that's scary. And then people don't think that could kind of like cross over here. And that's what they're like. Oh, I'm so glad I live in Canada. I'm just kind of like, do you not realize that if you look even just at our last provincial election, if there's no action to keep these things that we want safe, like Mm -hmm. you have to be able to like you have to vote, you have to educate yourself like and I don't know, the voter turnout's scary and all these things. And it's just like, I think I just spiraled and I'm just kind of like, Oh no, the world is burning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry. That was a tangent. I no. like that tangent. And then yeah. it, it's true. There is a kind of Canadian elitism. It's like, well, we're not them, but we are so heavily influenced by the American culture that we cannot deny it. 
And if you look, there are lists of conservative MPs that are against abortion. And if you looked at what the Republicans did in the U.S., and it wasn't an overnight Roe versus Wade. It was. No. You saw uh, it happening the whole time. Brick by brick by brick by brick. And that is happening in Canada. And it's. Mm, like one of the things I was thinking more about, especially in terms of anti-black racism work that I'm trying to do is activating white people Mm -hmm. and activating men. And it's just like, there is a comfort that people have and it's not even comfort. Life is tough. Life is hard. People are busy and they don't want to get lectured to, but if they took some time to vote to read something. And that's where social media, where offering bite-sized pieces of information can start to help. And it can also hurt because that's how a lot of people get radicalized is bite-sized pieces of information. Yeah. Um, just look at the Freedom Convoy because that was that was a that was a time. <laughs> I mean, it still is a time. I mean, they're all still yeah. out at Canadian Tire. <laughs> Which I don't know why Canadian Tire doesn't do anything about that. I Honestly, would not want that on I my brand. I need them to like move because I love Canadian Tire. So like, there's still freedom people here. At oh the yeah, bubble. yeah. Absolutely. I think they do it on. Do they do it every day or just on the weekend? I don't know. And I don't. I just. I can't. I can't engage with. I every time I just drive by, I just flip the bird and <laughs> go on my way. Which uh, hopefully brings you satisfaction. So much satisfaction. And, and sometimes you got to just do that for yourself. It does nothing, but it makes them a little bit angry and uncomfortable. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then it's weird because that just also causes them to double down. I know and it doesn't help, but I'm just like. <laughs> so right now I'm listening to a book called How Minds Change. And the interesting thing, and it was. The interesting thing now is that facts don't matter. And Which is so scary. Yeah. And, it's and like I, yeah, you're dealing with people's beliefs and mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things that like people actually believe life at conception. People believe they need AR-15s. People believe that they're better than black people or brown people. And it's one of those things that it it's weird what the tipping point is to get people to change their minds and the science of it is and the psychology of it is just so weird it's funny what people think they're experts about let it be oh the police must give you this so we must they they know the inner workings of police release and all that or what the information the police give out and all that um and the other thing is the the cesspool that is the comment threads Mm -hmm. uh just don't it's it's not worth it and i see a lot of time and energy wasted in not a in a way that doesn't result in anything good and just people butting heads, getting angrier, insulting. And then the admin of the group clearly always picks a side and mm-hmm. closes it down for uh-huh. one reason or another. Do you find because you post like information on your stories, like do you find that the comments are negative or have you been have you received mostly positive feedback? I receive mostly positive feedback because of how I use social media. Mm -hmm. It is strictly uh, a tool in a way. And the reason why I post mostly on Instagram is because I find it a one way communication thing. Yeah. It's very much, here's a picture. 
I'm going to leave it there as a more Facebook is very discussion, very talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't use Twitter, but um, don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a visual person anyway, so yeah. it just doesn't appeal to me in any sense. And all the good tweets get screenshotted into my Instagram feed anyways. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I just and, and I just find it exhausting. So when I do choose to partake in a comments thread, I tend to a most people don't even read all the comments. Yeah, it, it's really funny. Oh, like do not. It's like, oh, what's that building going in there? It's a Wendy's. 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 It's a Wendy's. It's a Wendy's. It's a Wendy's. And there's like 45 comments. And it's like, I think it's a Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're not even seconding, thirding, fourthing, agreeing on the same thing. They're all just saying Wendy's. And it's like, are you are you reading? No. You bringing anything new to no. the table? But when I when I go through. So the other week, there was a thing about asking why some restaurants don't take reservations in the county. That's it. I actually do want to know the answer to this because I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the the biggest reason is that it won't make it's not it's not cost effective. At the end of the day, the restaurant is a business. If they can make money taking reservations, Mm -hmm. they would take reservations. Yeah. So uh, why does it cost money? There's a lot of labor having someone on reservation, having someone on phone. That if you sense. see the servers yeah. running around enough, like we don't even have enough staff to take uh, takeout orders already. Yeah. Like we, we lack us and needs a dishwasher. Like there is a staffing shortage in the industry as well as in many industries. Programs like open table cost money. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And stuff like that. Oh yeah. It's so, like all those skip the dishes and Uber eats. Like yep, that third cost, party stuff. people don't under, like realize that that costs restaurants like a lot of money it's not cheap uh if it's a restaurant connected to a hotel it's a lot more convenient because you have a front desk person you have someone manning a phone all the time and it's that is also reflected in the price point the places that can do reservations tend to be the higher price point places yeah the mid fast casual places don't do it because they want to keep their prices at a certain extent and they can't afford a program or can't afford to have enough bodies to answer the phone and to take reservations and demand the hostess stand. That makes um, sense. Yeah. And then there's like the people who just don't show up. Yep. And people who are super late. And then, yeah. And, and then, then it just you're affects holding, everything else. And you're holding tables for people who know if they, they might not even show up and we got lineups and, Definitely in the on season, you got to make your money. Yeah. And if you can fill the tables and flip the tables, but say uh, a table ends and you don't have a reservation for another half hour, that table sits empty Mm -hmm. for half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to turn people away. And it at the end of the day, it's just not it all. It always comes down to business and you make business decisions. And well, that makes a lot more sense now. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, okay, I get this. I kind of like the whole non-reservation thing. I feel like I can see why it's frustrating for some people. But like at the same time, it's like, okay, like just come early or come at us. You know, that that is just got to keep trying. Like in in a big city, uh, definitely come for five o'clock or come for eight thirty. Yeah. Of course, everything in the county closes at nine anyway. So don't (laughs) go for a late dinner. Um, And then also understand that majority of the places if you're not a chain restaurant, cannot accommodate parties of eight on the fly. Oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, that sounds stressful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if if you're two families traveling to the county, like you have to make proper uh, 
preparations for that because we have possibly two tables that could accommodate that in a 10 table restaurant. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we actually had, uh, I want to say a group of 10 possibly with a dog that wanted to come inside and we're like, no, we can't accommodate a group of 10, let alone we're not allowing dogs inside. So they got takeout, went to the park and left a bad online review in real time. Like we could actually see them and, and like, it's like you are right there. <laughs> yeah. I can see you. It's funny. Like as a small business owner, just seeing how people aren't flexible Cause I like to think I'm kind of flexible. Like I don't, if you know, I go to a restaurant and I can't get a table. I'm like, okay, I'll wait. Or like, I'll go somewhere else. But yeah, people get like, they take it personally. Like you just hate me. Yeah. And then they leave a bad review and I'm like, no, 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 no. Life is just chaotic. And I, I can't handle you right now. So. Yeah. The, the entitlement is funny. And it's, I remember last year, uh, and this probably happens more than I'm told, but it's just like, are you sure you can't get us a table? It's my wife's birthday. And all I can think in my head is like, and plan for your wife's birthday yeah. better. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, like, like I, now it's your problem. Yeah, like, <laughs> it I, I know. like it's a whole lot of not my problem. <laughs> I know I go over the top in planning stuff for Lindsay, but I I could also, it's not that hard to plan. It's not that hard to go over the top when you plan it properly. Mm-hmm. She's also lovely. So yes. it's like. Oh, yes. I'll also bring that up. My wife, she's a BBW body positive a social media influencer. So we both have our own activism online. Her handle is at Miss Lindsay M. We'll and put in the show notes too. Oh yeah, I'll put that in the show yeah. notes. Yeah. Uh, I'll link it. <laughs> we'll link it because she's great. Yes. <laughs> I'm, okay, so funny story. I met her randomly outside a plant shop opening, <laughs> which I think is pretty on brand for both of us. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, we were like, it was during the pandemic. I had Lincoln. He was maybe eight months old. So I'm holding a baby. We're all standing. There's like three or four of us just standing in line. And then we just all start shooting the shit. Cause you know, it's eight 30 in the morning yeah. and this plant store opens at nine for the first time. And we all wanted this one plant and I yeah, love plant people. That's how I met your wife before I even <laughs> knew who you were. Yeah. Um, and uh, like we've been able to learn and spitball each other so well that like one of my newer moments of enlightening is like similar to when I talk about abortion, that fine, it might not be for you or your family, but other people should be allowed to have abortions um, is fitness. And the idea that if you want to be fit for yourself, if you want that six pack, that's great. But it shouldn't matter to you if I am happy and comfortable being fat. <laughs> like I, I'm happy. I'm living the dream. I'm having a blast. And just the again, the amount of hate. People um, really do not like fat women yeah. who are comfortable with themselves. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. Happy fat women. Whoa, no, no. You're not allowed to be happy if you're fat. Yeah, you can't, There's no ridiculous. way you can be happy if you're fat. No, it's absolutely ridiculous. I went through something very similar online and it's just like people just can't like their It's like their head just can't wrap around the idea of being a fat woman or a fat person at all. And also being happy. It's like. They're like conditioned to be like, oh, no, fat is bad Mm -hmm. and you have to be unhappy. You have to be unhealthy. Meanwhile, you must be wanting to change. You have to be on a diet. And it's just kind of like, well, no, I know some very fit, like 
five people. Yep. Yeah. Like, look at Lizzo. I'm sorry. She could probably so kick fit. everybody's yeah. ass. At, like, her endurance is insane. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I didn't realize I had an eating disorder because I was still thicker. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I can't. This can't be an eating disorder because I'm not skinny. So I was I was like over exercising, restrictive dieting. Like I would have a smoothie for lunch and like dinner and that was it. And, that you know, it was like taking a toll. And then I didn't realize until honestly, social media like TikTok has taught me many things. And yeah. one was like, oh, this is bad. I was like and that's when I said to my therapist, I was like, I think I have an eating disorder, but I just don't know how because like I'm not skinny yet. And and that's like the toxic and that's why I feel for your partner, because, yeah, you get shit on. And this is what you've been taught from like a young age that yeah. you have to look this way. It's very toxic. <laughs> it's a lot. There's so much. So I appreciate that your, your wife is on. out doing that. Tangent off tangents off tangents. But yeah, that, that's that, our that was podcast. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> no. lots of tangents. But it's also um, intersectional activism i always like the things i'm still learning too i have to pause and remember these terms and all that mm-hmm. so as intimidating as it is it all comes from there but it's all connected from women to fat phobia to sex workers to anti-black or yeah. anti-racism stuff like you can't just champion one as you start to even one as like your gateway you'll learn all these other things how they're all interconnected and it's really exciting like the thing is, you shouldn't be intimidated to call yourself a feminist or to call yourself an anti-racism ally. Like, if you put in just the smallest amount of work, it doesn't take much mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to to get the the wheels moving. Yeah, it doesn't take much. Yes, that's it. I think that takes us to sorry. all welcome here. Oh, we love a good podcast. For I can't. I'm sorry. It's the drugs. I'm not editing it out, though, because I burped last last. No, it's okay. It's not the drugs. It's medication that I'm on. It makes me burpy. I'm like, what? Are we going to a rave later? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. So... During well, when the first lockdown happened, uh, my wife and I just like, we don't know how long this is going to be. We don't know what's going on. So we just, you know, stocked up on everything, you know. What you do? Was drugs part of it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it was like midday on a Tuesday. And it's just like, do you, do you want to do some MDMA? <laughs> sure. That's sweet. Did you rave in your house? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did you also make- stock up on glow sticks? I think is the real question. <laughs> the glow sticks aren't that great during the day, but it was just also a lot of chatter. So my wife would be on the couch. I'd have some DJ playing on the TV, and I'd just be standing there talking to her as if I had glow sticks. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, I'm spinning back to all welcome here. Yes. So that's... And it's an intersectionality movement. Yes. So it was started by Judith Burford, um, who I came in contact with uh, through a Facebook group and social media. And during the height of George Floyd, there was a George Floyd demonstration in Picton. Mm -hmm. And I went with low expectations. I did not expect much at all. I, but I went and I just want to see what was what. And it, Turned out to be amazing. Uh, in a town of 4,000, the street was lined with 1,000 people. Wow. Judith and her team had put in the effort and marked X's along the sidewalk six feet apart. So we we lined Main Street 
from the weird uh, intersection, three-way intersection, all the way to the LCBO in Picton was lined with people on both sides of the street, black, white, brown, indigenous, lots of family, lots of kids. It was really beautiful. And I was, I was shocked. I was surprised. I just, for the first little bit, just walked up and down the street and I had my headphones in listening to Nas's first album and just thinking about all these people here because of George Floyd. And it just, it just blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And we had talks about making it a bit more of a production and having artists and musicians. But for this demonstration, we decided that wouldn't be worthwhile, especially having everyone spread apart. If it happened in a park, mm -hmm. then yes, it'd be more centralized. But uh, Judith wanted uh, everyone to uh, lie down on the ground for seven and a half minutes for at that time, what we thought was the time that the officer kneeled on George Floyd for seven and a half minutes. Um, and that's where my theater production background stage manager switch turned on. And I gathered her volunteers, sent them down each side of the street in various directions to inform at this point, we're all going to lie down. And then uh, Judith wasn't comfortable on the microphone. So I'm like, I'll do it. So then at a point in time, everyone lied down on the street and I was standing on a microphone, the only one of a thousand people. And for seven and a half minutes, I just, for lack of better, riffed on what are you feeling right now? That's only been a one minute. Do you understand how uncomfortable this is? And it was just such a surreal moment. And for me, it was quite an interesting introduction into being part of the community, personally being involved in something that I I had no expectations of being even successful to being leading one of the more moving parts of the day. Uh, and then from that, Judith had spoken to me and I then joined the board of all welcome here. And then from the conversation with George Floyd, we talked about the POCNIC, a POC focused picnic that then got delayed because of COVID uh, that happened. And then on multicultural day about a month ago, it was quite interesting uh, Judith had set up to do something at Slake, but we didn't know what we were going to do. And she's like, Squiggy, do something. <laughs> and knowing the county, knowing everyone's already so busy and booked and there is there's just a lot of pop ups. There's there's almost mm -hmm. too many pop ups. And uh, but knowing I would not be able to get a food supplier to do the event, I knew that Slake Brewery does hot dogs. So I reached out to a dozen restaurants to see if they want to do hot dog toppings. And I ended up with this amazing menu representing uh, nine restaurants in the county for this hot dog bash. And it was turned, the turnout was amazing. It was surprising. And it, it wasn't necessarily just getting a free hot dog. It, it wasn't about Slake and its beautiful view. It wasn't even about Multicultural Day, which I don't even understand to a certain extent. But it was just the community coming out and under the umbrella of All Welcome Here. And it was a lot of people that happened on a Monday as well, which meant a lot of the restaurants could actually come out as well oh, with their right. families. And it was just beautiful event. And it was just a really magical, like I was talking to one of the farmers on Saturday and we were just reminiscing about how great that event was. Mm -hmm. So with All Welcome Here, I tend to be focused more on the events that happen, but they do a lot of work, classroom workshops. Uh, we now have some swag 
t-shirts and such. And you have to get one. Can you buy them online? Yes. Okay, sweet. Uh, also online from the Book Interrupted podcast, one of my mantras is stumble forward. And I think that's something that in activism you learn because you're going to you're going to screw up. You're going to fuck up. You're going to like even yesterday in DMing with a friend, she's like, dude, that's a transphobic joke. And I'm like, damn it. You're right. I, I knew I was riffing on it. And I should have just bailed. And then she responded to me with stumble forward, which is one of my sayings. And Book Interrupted has a T-shirt that says stumble like five times and then forward at the bottom. And the stumble is in different skin tones. Oh, I and that. so and then it's called the squiggy. And I'm like, oh, I actually got my own swag. <laughs> oh, you have a T-shirt. It's like you're famous. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're famous. I have been called a hyper local influencer. Oh. Um, and uh, part of the proceeds from the t shirt does go to All Welcome Here. Yeah. Oh, um, awesome. I'm going to get one, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going to go downstairs and we're yeah, going to order t shirts. order those. But yeah, so All Welcome Here, it, it's one of those things that I, I'm excited to be part of because it, it's definitely giving me a platform for me to learn my role in the community from. Mm -hmm. From being a nomadic traveler to married wife, dog, and a picket fence, <laughs> it's been really interesting to get involved in the community. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because that's like the Facebook groups I, I follow because I want to say I want to keep I want to know what's going on in the community, but I find them all too toxic than helpful sometimes. But yeah, with the with the pandemic wavering for lack of a better word it's, it's quite interesting that this is the first summer that i've been involved in the community and there's been some really beautiful highlights and just being a vocal member of the community i don't find myself too spectacular about that to say and appearing on a podcast but it's just what i've been saying has been activating people just doing something, just getting up out of their seats, just reading something, just learning something, even just adding one or two different people to follow in your feeds makes a world of difference because you can be like, cute kitten, cute kitten, oh, black activism, cute kitten, cute kitten, cute kitten. And it's really fun that social media allows for those things to happen. Um, you have been like... <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm in love with you. Um, and I could listen to you talk for so long, but I think we have to let you go to work actually. Yeah. All right. All right. So I guess that means there'll be a second date after yeah, this. Yeah, I think first there's going to be a, a second date. I was yeah. going to say, I'm like, I think we're going to have you back, but do you have anything like before you leave that you want to like shout out and do you want to give us your socials? Uh, yes. So uh, Instagram, the underscore brown underscore squiggy. Uh, you need to get better, Kay, at telling your socials. Yeah, I was like, do you see how you know? he did that? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, I, I'm like, it's coming. It's coming. I'm just waiting for him to call me out on this. <laughs> Damn it. Well, it's also like, as I was thinking of what we were going to talk about. And it's just because also I have a whole thing in my head about me just being in my own little soapbox, screaming out in the void. And that's my whole social media. And I think that is something very similar that you two are working on here is that you have your little soapbox and you are, I think you said like, uh, something along the lines of uneducated babes, bringing on educated people, yeah, something like yeah. that. But it's just the, the idea of using your voice or what you have at hand in a in whatever's comfortable for you, let it just be at work or discussions with your family or just like one of the 
curious thing or one of the most entertaining things is that someone told me that, yeah, you know, I read your post and I talk to it with my husband at dinner and stuff like that is amazing. And uh, I think as you explore whatever you are doing here, you women will find your voice and the direction that you want to go in. Mm-hmm. And then the certain areas will still remain raw and fun and giggly and all that. But other things like giving your social handle, <laughs> because also no, yeah. no one that follows the podcast now cares about me. They care about you two right now. But we want them to care about you. <laughs> and they might be. And they really should, because quite <laughs> frankly, you're really wonderful. Mm-hmm. We're all wonderful. No, I know, but, but you're also really wonderful. <laughs> so what I'm yes, trying to get to. We compliment each and other. he knows his um, social handle. Yeah. yeah. But also, it's just also you taking your own value in the projects that you are working on. Like I you. Told, okay. I know. I struggle <laughs> with this. This is part of my therapy is like <laughs> knowing that I, you know what? It's like. It might not be perfect right now, but it's like growing and we're getting there. And it's like I can be proud of the things, even if it's still a little bit messy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So and then and and this is just making you notes. Now it's up to you to to actually learn your own social handle. I know my social handle. It's hey dot it's k dot xo. We did it. We have all the social. Did I look it up while you were speaking? (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. One thing I'm I'm actually really championing right now is Paper Kite Farm. They have their fall CSA box is available. Uh, I just finished their spring summer one. And it's just it's amazing stuff. They are growing some uh, very Western traditional veg, but they're also growing a lot of Asian veg. That's fun to explore with. And uh, I'm. I'm always posting what I'm doing with it. I'm also happy enough to answer any questions. If people are like, I don't know what to do with Chinese celery, mm-hmm. then I would be, I would be happy to riff off that. Everything. <laughs> also, I have to take a moment. I, I'm sorry. I know you have to leave, but yeah. you have uh, all the beef cuts on your arm. And so I'm, I'm a farmer yeah. and like, those are my favorite pictures. Like the lamb cuts, <laughs> the pork cuts, the beef cuts. I can tell someone like a pork cut through, like mm-hmm. I have the picture like embedded in my mind and I'm like, now I want that kind of tattoo. Yeah, it's, it's one of the more cliche chef tattoos. I got the cow here. The pig is in here. The chicken on my calf. I was pointing to my for- other forearm. Got chicken on my calf and a fish on my other calf. But the thing I found most entertaining while I was looking up these uh, pictures to bring to the tattoo artist was that you could also get butchery cut diagrams of dinosaurs and dragons. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Maybe I actually want that. that. I'm like, oh, that'd be hilarious. Those are awesome. That was a great conversation. I think that was, I was really scared because, you know, we haven't actually interviewed anybody outside of the people that we see Nearly every day. I know we, I had to do a deep dive into his social media to come up with an intro. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it went really well. And I we're going to obviously link all the like businesses and the people that we talked about in the interview. In the show notes. And go if you want to experience Robin Squiggy Dud firsthand. You can go to Dut. Dut. Tease. 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 Uh, Firsthand, go to La Condesa. La Condesa, which Wellington. I've never been. I've never been, and I think I'm going to go. I think, yeah. Honestly, we have a list of all these places. We we're going to do Babes of Quinny field trips in September when we're a little less busy. When it's and it's, it's a, a write off. Cool. That's what shit's going to be. 
the write-offs. Started watching that again last night. That's so great. Uh, but yeah, so we'll definitely add him to our road trip list and um, definitely follow him and then follow the pod at Babes of Quinny. Gmail. Babes of Quinny at Gmail. Your personal Instagram. Hey, dot, it's K dot XO. And mine See, is right this time. Katie underscore Sherat and follow the farm at Tipsy Willow Farm. And that's a wrap on this this week's pod. That's that's everything. Uh, we did it. We'll be back with another out of station. Another out of station guest. Next week. Who so. is a lovely woman. I'm just going to tease it. Yeah. Lovely Let's just woman. tease it. Lovely woman. Absolutely like gorgeous and like runs a really cool shop in the county and a Quinny West pop up. Yeah. And just is good vibes all around. And I'm really excited to have her on. Yeah. So uh, get ready again. Follow us. Subscribe. Do whatever you got to do. And stay wonderful, friend. Bye-bye. Bye.